interesting about you when we did our research is we saw that you did something that was not very common globally. In the Middle East, it was even less common. And mm. you, you had a very financially secure and stable job in banking. And then I guess maybe you can take it from here. You woke up one morning and said, fuck it, I'm going to pursue the things that, that you know, make me happy. Um, yes, but the longer, the longer story, <laughs> it was much more of a struggle and much more of a fear-based decision than fuck it, I can just leave. Uh, it was, there was years of me benchmarking myself against my friends who are creatives. Every time I would travel and see a lot of my friends who are working in industries that they absolutely adore, which is like uh, events or even promoters, um, uh, DJs, I don't know. They're all working in industries where technically in our culture, I mean, at least in our generation, where I, when I grew up, it wasn't an industry you would pick, an industry your parents would be proud of, let's say. Um, so for me to see that and then see just such joy and love in what they're doing and then see them year after year and then think of myself like, okay, but I'm just going back to this dull job. And I remember thinking to myself when they would ask me, so how's work? And I'm just like, oh, that's okay, whatever. I just like brush it off. I'm like, but your life is more interesting. Tell me about you. I sort of had this attitude and I hated it. I hated to feel like I was the one that was sort of brushing my life aside because it's uninteresting. And someone else's life is much more interesting than mine. So these people used to tell me year on year, like, Tracy, I thought you said this year you're going to quit. I thought you said this year you're going to quit. And obviously it's hard. I mean, especially when you're making good money and you're in a senior position. It's not, I mean, to make the conscious choice to say I'm out is very, very hard. So mine didn't really happen as a conscious choice where I planned it. It was more of me going head to head with my last boss. He didn't really like me. I was just like fed up with the industry. Um, it, it, I just started to see the colors of the industry in the failing economy where people's intentions were not as aligned with my intentions, let's put it that way. Okay. So I just, yeah, and were I, you, I, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Were you through your younger years growing up, did you feel like a job in banking or finance? Like was that the goal when you were younger or do you feel that maybe you were a bit preconditioned to think that way from friends and family and society? Um, was it a passion? No. Did I adore the fact that I was in the industry? I absolutely loved it. And I loved it for reasons that were stroking my ego, not for reasons that were a true love for the industry. I mean, no, I, I, I can't really say that. I loved trading, for instance. It was so fun for me. Uh, I loved being on the desk. I would be the last one to leave, uh, constantly picking up and learning there. Moving into different departments, some departments were more dull than others, and that's where I kind of found a lull in the industry. But what I wanted in my 20s is not what I wanted in my what I wanted in my 30s. So it was important for me, and I love the fact that I was in that industry for 10 years because it taught me absolutely a lot. And I don't think I would have been able to develop my business the way I do now if I didn't have a background in corporate, if I didn't have a background in finance. Um, so it helped. But again, different people, right? Different mindsets, and that's why I wanted different things. And I, once again, I always say this: I don't think. You're supposed to be in the same industry for the rest of your life. I mean, who's to say you're a doctor and therefore that is it for you? You can't enjoy anything else and you can't try to be a cook in your 40s. I mean, who's to say, right? So I I, I just shifted. Yeah, and it, it's very interesting because like I could kind of relate to what, what you went through because like I'm in a similar position right now where like my background was like very quantitative. I was about to enter the financial field before Corona happened, the lockdown happened, and uh, you know, the markets were a bit terrible. So then I started doing this podcasting idea with Ryan, which was okay, considered very creative. But then again, when you go back to Lebanon, you tell people, oh, you're doing podcasting. It's like, so when is he going to get a real job? When are you going to get a job? At yeah, they look, at you like, they, they look at you like you're an alien, you know, like you're yeah. literally an extraterrestrial coming in and saying, hey, I'm, I'm uh, going to go into podcasting. And now because recently, like now I moved back to the UK and now I'm going to, I start, I'm about to get a new job and people are like, oh, you, you, you finally got a real job. Great. Yeah. Now they could do the podcasting as a side, as a hobby. I'm like, so why do you create, like, that's the thing that I get annoyed with. You have the traditional jobs that our society made, like we grew up in our society to believe are like the ones that make you money. So that's a real job. Whereas if you want to do something you're passionate about in the creative field, that's more of a hobby or that's even like the sleigh, as some people say. It. You so, know, it's funny. Yeah, can... It's funny you're saying that at the, uh, now, because right before I got on the podcast with you, I told my boyfriend I have this podcast with these guys. They're young guys and I think they're really cool. I took it because, to be honest, 
in our 20s, I don't remember seeing a lot of my friends who had an, an, a passion or an interest or a purpose that is beyond themselves or beyond quote-unquote maniake, you know, like the ha-ha-ha, look at this guy, look at this guy. It was a very much of a, this kind of culture. And to see men at that, like men like you doing this, for me, I think it's incredible. I love the fact that you're out there, you're putting yourselves out there, and I know it's difficult. It's not an easy thing to be heard and to speak and to maybe mess up, you know, and get judged. So for me, I think this is passion. Well, it's not so much about passion. I'm sick of the narrative of passion. It's more of purpose of like, you know what, this interests me. It's interesting, it's it's good conversation. And why not this versus coffee shops and hanging out and PS all to, all the time, for instance. This is a good, you know, a way to angle it. And your, your, your point about this not being an industry, again, this is the culture. I mean, this is, you guys probably know so many people now that you're in the industry who, who are making a lot of money doing what you guys are doing who branch out into very different things because you woke up this creative side of you you tend to like think of different avenues of how you can monetize how you can get something interesting i thought i was completely sheltered in this one two-dimensional sort of role that i'm not good at anything beyond this role and people told me that even in the in the industry when they moved me from trading to another department i'm like look i think i'm better at trading no you're not i think you should be in this i mean why is somebody telling me what I'm good at? You know what I mean? It's kind of it's kind of that thought process. And when you put yourself out of that, you guys realize that look, okay, I'm doing pretty well. My numbers are growing. Uh, my following is growing. People are interested in these podcasts. It's that's success, right? Mm. I think um, the the toughest thing, especially in you know being Lebanese or even Middle Eastern, is dealing with the outside noise. Is dealing with uh, the reaction of friends and family. I think that's that's the biggest key because if you have supportive friends and family shit, you feel like you can do anything. Yeah. And I think something 100%. that might have helped us in a very weird way is uh, Corona. Like due to the, due to Corona over the past few months, like we've literally had to isolate ourselves at home. So we, we didn't get a chance to see outside reaction. Do you know what I mean? Like attending social gatherings or family gatherings and hearing people say, oh, what the fuck are you doing with your life? You're seriously talking to people and, and you know, that that's that's the avenue of success that you're choosing to go through, which can be very demotivating, you know, even if you have a strong personality. So w with you, when you decided to to make that switch to, to do your own things, was there a lot of stigma from friends and family or was it like an easy transition? All the time. I mean... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Time. And I think the people that are closest to you, the ones that are around you really, are the ones that are more, uh, I mean, let's say negative or uh, cynical, but the people that are far away from you, like people following you on your podcast, following on my Instagram, they're like, I love what you're doing. This is amazing. This is cool, right? Uh, but I learned that I didn't. it didn't bother me at some point because I realized that this was a projection, a projection of what they're afraid to do. And I was afraid to do it at some point. So of course the voice is gonna be, Tracy, who's gonna pay your rent? I mean, I, don't, I haven't taken money from my parents since I was 18 and a half, 19. So it was not a question for me to go back to the parents. I don't have a backup plan. I don't have a rich uncle. I don't, it's not like that for me. So it was like, but what are you doing? Like this is an industry that is paying you paycheck to paycheck. Um, I just block the noise. I think the, 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 the dullness of what I felt was so overpowering that at some point it almost felt like I was pushed into the direction of just get out, you know? So just block it, I guess. And in, and in terms like, of, oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, because like also at the time, like, you were independent you were successful but at the same time you know and that's unfortunate that i have to bring this up but you know how it is in our societies when it comes to like labeling people based off gender so like you were a woman at the time who was in a senior position and then they and then like you just quit all of your job so uh, to do something to quit your job to do something that was very even even now to a certain extent it's still not very like well it would be well received in most lebanese families especially if you're getting a high-end job so like was there also that thing and oh wait you're a woman like you shouldn't be doing this you have a good job why are you leaving is a mistake was there anything like was there any of that traditional gender stereotype when you decided you know what was a traditional gender not necessarily gender but a traditional stereotype mm. um it was actually i think it's the opposite maybe because i'm a woman it was yeah. almost like 
hey, but Mali, I'll let her, and she'll have a good time. She'll do her thing. Like some people would maybe take the angle because if I was a man, it would be more frowned upon and more yeah. difficult for a man to leave an industry like that. Like, what are you doing? How are you going to take care of your family? Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe I never heard the sentence, how are you going to take care of your kids? Because the assumption is the man is going to take care of the kids. Correct? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my thought process was that. Like, okay, I'm going to have kids one day. If I'm going to have kids... Uh, am I not? And how am I going to pay my bills? I, I think that for myself, but other people are not going to assume Tracy takes on this responsibility. So, um, the alternatively, the I, the the, um, the the narrative I heard a lot was because don't forget, I left and it was a very sudden leave. Like I was head to head. If you don't like it, I'm going to leave. Yeah, sure, leave. I'm like, leave. That means I'm leaving. Okay, this is how I'm ending my career. And now I started planning and to plan and to save up money. I had to take sort of the the next role that is closest to the industry that I want to get to, which is sports and adventure, that maybe it's not the glorified to me at the time because I was so brainwashed into thinking these are your categories of what you're supposed to do. And it was taking uh, private clients, PTing. And then people used to tell me, Tracy, you're the one that used to hire PTs. Now you're sitting and PTing people as if it's such a... Shameful role. It's like a demotivation. It's so, it's so, yeah. it's so demeaning, you know, to, to, yeah. to try and hustle your way. Yeah, I mean, you I know, I'm not going to lie. For a while, I actually believed, like, I don't want to tell anybody. I'm never going to announce it on my Instagram that I'm doing PTs. But I will PT a few people because I need some money right now. And then with time, I started realizing just how much fun it was for me to wake up in the morning, uh, doing, like, the, the routine I have, going deep, like going on head to head with like two, three people that I was PTing and then seeing that progress, but getting so excited for them. Now, I didn't want to be a PT, but that still that role was exciting for me because it was something I was looking forward to seeing progress in people. It made me so happy. And then I realized I used to sit on this job for eight hours, literally watching YouTube, being so inefficient, so useless. Just because somebody told me I need to stay on this desk until it's five or six o'clock when it's an off day, when it's a, a dull day. And now when I think of just not being able to maximize my time and somebody telling me I'd rather you sit on YouTube instead of maximizing your time is absolutely ridiculous to me. So it's just a learning and I needed it, I think, at the time, but I just didn't need it anymore after my 30s. Yeah. It's as you, you know, said, that's like such it's a... an accumulation. It's an accumulation of experience. Like you learn a lot from the world. And at the same time, it's comfort. It's comforting. Why do many people, especially in our society, take these jobs? The reason they take these jobs is because it's maybe not as risky and it's financially it's more secure. And I know for a fact that maybe ninety-five percent of my friends that are consultants that are working in banking don't really like it. Yeah, I ask them, do you actually like your role? Do you enjoy what you do? No, I hate it every single time. Man, I have so much work. It's shit but it pays well. And if I tell my parents I'm going to quit, I'm going to get into a fight with my parents. So then I ask them, so do you actually see yourself working in this industry for 20 years and saying that you love it just because of money? Some say yes, because we have no choice. Others are like, you know, eventually I want to leave, but like, I, I just have to do it for now. So that's but the can I, can I don't actually do it because they like it. Can I just add that I, 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 where you got what you guys are saying is, is definitely sound and I agree. But I think also from my perspective, also having friends who are consultants and banking and whatever, I think some people are suited to that comfort zone. They're suited to that structure. Like not everyone, I think, is meant to be entrepreneurial. You know what I mean? And, and go and, and pursue the shit that, that they want to do. And look, let's not get this wrong. It's not an, an, a debate about what's better entrepreneurship or corporate. It's literally about a debate. What makes you feel alive and good every day? That's all it is. And it could be corporate because you know, the few friends that you have thought it would be telling you, yeah, um, I want to stay in the industry. And guess what? There are some people that are killing it in the industry and it suits them like hell. But other people are on autopilot. And this autopilot is what I'm against. It's literally the feeling of being on autopilot. You can work for a creative agency. You can work for whoever PR you're not on autopilot you must love what you do but some people are literally on autopilot and that just it takes away a lot from your 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 mind and who you can be and it really takes away it just makes you not see the potential of what you can possibly do when you're living on autopilot you know we we follow especially I mean all over the world but in the Middle East and Lebanon growing up I've seen it we follow metrics and we follow numbers and it's it's what's the quickest route to success what's the quickest route to make a million dollars two three four five what do you think in your opinion Kevin how do you break that 
that brainwashed mentality and kind of social structure we have of go for the money, follow the money, become wealthy, because that's what's the most important thing. So I think, honestly, truly, unless you're some guru from, I don't know, like a monk somewhere <laughs> that really doesn't yeah. care, I think everybody's after money. I mean, I'm not going to be upset if I make a million dollars. I mean, honestly, every yeah. strategy I have is how can I monetize off of this thing and make it a business and grow it into something? I mean, for me, the, the yeah. idea of growing something from this to make it large and then inevitably it makes money fantastic. But it's it's to be able to do that. I don't think you're ever going to get there if you're on autopilot. You will never get there. You will constantly be the employee that is earning a paycheck, 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 probably got fired, got rehired here, maybe got a demotion, then one promotion in four or five years. This is the lifestyle of the autopilot person, but the, the either the entrepreneur or the corporate person who is literally after what they love, you're doing something that you care about and you're doing it over and over again. And there is no deadline or, or, or a time where you're going to stop. You're really going to constantly think of, this is what I do sometimes. I promise you, I wake up sometimes with a thought and I just jot, jot it down or type it on my phone because I'm like, how did I not think of this? It just came to me. Because I'm, I'm switched on, constantly switched on. My mindset back in the, in the role that I was unhappy in at near the end, because I loved it at the beginning, near the end when the market got bad, I just started hating it. Um, my mindset was, you know what? Don't talk to me after 6 p.m. I'm switching off. And I wouldn't even think of a single thing. I wouldn't pick up on a client. Why? I mean, if you like what you're doing, it's no longer job than lifestyle. Your lifestyle is, I have the role and I have the, you know, it's, it's everything. It's the job. It's your life, right? Part of your life is your job. Why do you need to cut it and then start something? You know, it just doesn't make sense. You know, Tracy, you mentioned something. Yeah, sorry. You mentioned something that was quite interesting when you did quit your job. Uh, you said people weren't really frowning upon that decision as much as they would with a man because they said, well, you know, she can always, you know, marry a man and start a family. And, and that could be your, your duty in a way. And uh, I saw you once speaking about this idea that you have to have kids. You know what I mean? Like you, the ultimate goal in life, especially for a woman, is to marry, start a family, take care of kids. And you said something which is so true. And you said like, you know, people, many people who are just not cut out to be parents. And I think in, in, in Lebanese society, Middle Eastern society, this is something that people don't tend to think about. You know what I mean? Like not everyone is meant for this family duty role a hundred percent i mean i mean a lot of people let's start at the very beginning a lot of people are not in tune with themselves they don't they're not self-analytical they don't after self-growth they don't really assess and think of who they want to be who am i what do i want to do um what what really makes me happy it's again a life of autopilot versus a career of autopilot so they tend to just go with the flow, right? Society says graduate. It says, uh, I don't know, high-end career. It says get married, have children. So therefore I shall. It's a very sheep sort of mentality. It's not the mentality of what's my choice? What do I want to do? That's probably opposing to so many people, but this is what I want, so so be it. And then you get, you tend to see, I mean, for someone like me who, who learned to be this way, I used to be the autopilot girl, like I said, I'm not someone to preach because I'm still in a huge learning. I mean, it's not about telling people what to do. It's me telling you how I, how I've been, how I changed my mindset. And then with that, I started to think, okay, right now, I don't know if I want kids at this point. Eventually, yeah, if I have a partner, this partner eventually makes me feel the feeling of, you know what, let's grow this partnership. How about we get a kid together? That will be the, the transition. But the, the, the tricky thing is, I want a kid. Okay, but you don't have a partner. You don't have a, a, a family. You don't have a, a solid foundation. You don't have anything. So how do you want this before you have any of these things? And again, I want a wife just because I want a wife, right? Because I want children. But then again, you see a lot of men who are, I mean, I constantly am like, baffled how is this person a parent never around doesn't take care of their kids doesn't and people that would see me when i was younger 17 18 19 even till today i love kids i adore them does it mean that i think i'm i need to be a parent no you could you could like kids but the responsibility of being a parent is something you need to really assess and it goes back yeah. to a point like now i'm dating i've been dating uh, 
my boyfriend for about a year now uh, and everything's going well and we talk about the potential of being together and all of those things and this is the when the conversation comes the thought probably comes you assess it and an- analyze it and you know what there's a like this is something i wanted to that was on my mind recently so it's good I'm, we're bringing it up a lot of women tend to be super afraid to mention because i get this now do you discuss with why in marriage like, like please don't bring it up don't freak him out they would literally say like don't don't freak him out things like that and i'm like freak him out and yeah i used to do this in the past when i would i was dating a guy for five years on the year four was when i'm like maybe maybe i should just bring it up because i just need to be sensitive to the male ego right i don't want him to feel like i'm offending him or pressuring him and now i'm just like what the fuck this is my life i'm gonna make this decision i'm gonna decide with you and for me if this is going to happen or if it's not going to happen. So, hey, dude, listen, what's going to happen? You know, we should discuss this. And if he's not on the same uh, wavelength as me, the only explanation is we're just not good for each other. But it could be in reverse as well, where the woman can be like, hold on, he's asking me, but I'm I'm just not ready. So she starts stalling and giving excuses. But the only the only explanation is we're just not good for each other. It can't possibly be if the man is okay to have this conversation or not. And you should literally tiptoe around it, pretend you don't care, pretend this. Why should I pretend I don't care about something that is so damn important? It's a huge decision. If I'm gonna have children or not, if I'm gonna be married or not, if I'm gonna be in this career or not, why do I spend months deciding whether I go through one career or not, years, but it will take me three months to get married and get engaged or not bring up something as important as that? I mean, people just don't assess that they really don't. It's it's frightening. Yeah, like like per- personally for me, I remember because because of the lockdown, because of coronavirus, I remember I actually had a small argument with my parents about this subject, and it was when I first started working on the podcast, and I took the decision to move back to Lebanon temporarily, and they were like losing their minds. How are you moving back to Lebanon right now, and you're doing this podcast? And they thought that I was gonna throw my career away. So once I remember, I got into an argument about why I should move back to London, and then they brought up something which kind of like annoyed me. They're like. You know, hey, Hala, you're eventually going to become in your late, you're 24, you're going to reach your late 20s in a few years, and then, you know, then you have to start thinking about making a family, then you have to start thinking about marriage and raising your kids. And I'm like, and if you're not, if you, if you don't have a proper career by then, you're not going to be, you're not going to be financially stable, women won't want to marry you. I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. Who told you that I want to get married at the eight, my late 20s or start a family in my late 30s? I was like, I could even stay like single until i'm like 40 or get married when i'm 40 like there is no time frame for me about what age you should get married and personally i think it's like as you said it depends on mentally like if you're ready first of all and how you're in how much in tune you are with yourself and second of all it depends on the person you meet because i also feel there are a lot of people that meet somebody in the late in their late 20s i'm talking about like in lebanese society and because it's that age late 20s they might not even know the person so much they might date for a few months maybe a year and then quickly jump three steps instead yeah. of taking these three steps go three steps ahead and one large step get married because they're pressurized by their families to get married and by the societal norms and then it ends up going to shit. You know, we once we we once got a lot of shit uh, for saying that we really feel like in Lebanese society uh Lebanese society in general pressures women to marry early. And uh, we got backlash for this because pe- a, a few women were saying, well, what about biological factors and personal choice? And I, Tara and I basically said, a woman can get married at any age she wants to. If that's a personal decision, whose business is it? None of our business. But what we were trying to say is there is a lot of preconditioning from friends, from family, from social groups, from 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 every kind of facet of, of these social structures to be like, all right, once you get to this certain age, you need to be on the lookout for a man. And what 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 I was trying to say and what the point of what we were trying to do was we spoke about being self-analytical. So it would be great if a lot of people, men and women, not only women, to when they reach their 20s, to really properly sit down and think, am I going to be getting married right now because I genuinely love the, my partner and because I want to start a life with them and because I want to start a family with them and that really excites me? Or am I doing it to make mama and baba happy? Am I doing it to make my friends who are all married happy? And this is, I think, a huge battle that needs to happen because there are people who are just not meant for this. There are people who have 
very different trajectories. Maybe they, they go down the entrepreneurial path and their, their life is about their career rather than... And I and I think it's it's being self-analytical, which needs to come come in more to. You know what? And those people, if they made those decisions alternatively, they would be ten times happier than they are. I mean, it's, you guys hear this, I'm sure. I don't know if you have. I mean, you guys are still young, but I have a lot of my friends that are married, and a lot of the time, it's the same joke, which is the husband makes fun. Hey, I'm finally out of the house. And this typical, typical. It's almost like. It's brainwashed. Like I have to say it to be funny. Like this is the, the 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 comedy of a married couple. Like I can't stand this or I can't do this with my wife. And I'm just like, guys, this is a narrative that is old news, and it doesn't have to happen. And the man that doesn't have this narrative with his wife, he actually is friendly. They do things together. A lot of the guys in our society will mock this man. Like he's whipped. Look how much he spends time with his wife. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. What is this mindset? I mean, instead of thinking, you know what? I married someone who's cool, who's fun. He, she's my best friend. He's my, he's, I love hanging out with this person. They very quickly switch it to gender. The, a wife no longer becomes a person with who she initially was, but she just becomes a wife, a female, and then vice versa. Jose, man, uh, men versus women. It's, it, it's almost like a, a rivalry as soon as the marriage certificate is there but before that man this girl's so cool we're dating we're hooking up we're doing this we're doing that right she's cool or he's cool first but that coolness sort of shaves off later and do you think that's a main reason a quick question from my end first and do you think that's a main reason though i've never read articles about it but i've seen headlines every now and then around social media talking about like how in our generation especially last few years divorce rates have been at an all-time high not just in the arab world but globally as well and do you think like I'm sure like that's maybe one of the main reasons as to why divorce rates are at an all time high because people are not actually taking a rational decision while getting married. They're jumping too quickly. I think that 100 percent. I think um, every marriage is, is bound to be difficult and not fun in many regards. You get annoyed with somebody who's there all the time, who's probably going on a different path than you are because people change, people develop. And if someone is static in your high trajectory or vice versa, you probably will clash. But I think if you had a solid foundation to begin with, the likelihood of you calling it quits within a year because you're just sick of this person is quite low. Because you know what? I there's a there's a real solid friendship connection uh, commitment there. It wasn't based on other factors. The reason it wasn't because I wanted a child that I have this man. And now that I have the child, you know what? Peace. I don't need to be here. Right? I mean, if this foundation is there from the beginning, I think the likelihood of you wanting to hurt that person. It's low because you're thinking, man, this guy is my friend. He's I'm not gonna back like backstab my friend. Why would I do that? I mean, why would you backstab your business partner? If if you have a business partner or you hear of a business partner that backstabs another, everybody in the society is talking about it. But if you hear of a man cheating on a woman, now it's like, ah, hi da kamin abikun shoza. And it's just like you know it goes in passing, like standard behavior. But if it's backstabbing a partner or a best friend, then all of a sudden the whole society is talking about this person, right? Mm-hmm. It's just what 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 counts as backstabbing? If cheating doesn't count as backstabbing, is is deceit not counted as backstabbing? You know. Mm. I think something you mentioned as well, which which I can definitely relate to, is that uh, the comments about being oh you're whipped when you're in a happy relationship. I've I've been dating for I've been dating for four years and I've gotten that thousands and thousands of times and in the beginning it used to really piss me off and by the way just to be fair i was one of those guys like before dating i was one of the guys who looked at the happy couple and when my friend said oh i'm going out with my girlfriend to dinner i'll be like whipped yeah, yeah. And I but you're also was, like 18 19 at the time though true like, true true and I, and I, let's be fair true and i thought it was the funniest <laughs> to be fair to be fair to give myself credit and then uh and then you know in the beginning it didn't really bother me but then it gets to a point where you just have to ask yourself like why why are you constantly getting these comments like i'm Here's the thing. I know a lot of uh, couples who are in relationships that are a bit difficult when dealing with the dynamics of your friends. What do I mean by this? I know some couples that, you know, will really stop seeing their friends and put each other over everyone else. And and it'll start to diminish from their friendships and start to cause rifts. And you know what I mean? Like the dynamics start to really change. But to be fair... I, I, I don't think with my girlfriend, we were we are that type of couple. We're very fair. We love to go out with our friends. Of course, we love our alone time, uh, but 
we we we're really fair and on the contrary when when she's uh, she encourages me to be with my friends i encourage her to be with her friends and to each have her own space so i used to always tell myself well you know we're in we're in quite a fair relationship in that point of view but i'm still getting comments that oh you're so whipped oh without the girlfriend you're so whipped you're so whipped and i think you you mentioned the tracy it's a projection of insecurity like these guys i I've, I've convinced myself probably really deep down want to be in happy relationships so they just talk shit about about your relationship and 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 be yeah. as we like to say in arabic because who wouldn't be happy to see a friend with with a girl they like mm. in, a, in a healthy responsible happy. relationship let's not you know. go so far if um, if you find a, a girl who's a wife let's say who's doing really well in her career in our society and her husband is supportive of that and backing her up and taking a second seat in some occasion when she needs to sit first seat because now it's her time to shine on this when she was taking a back seat when it was his time to shine and they're kind of sort of pushing each other and supporting each other i hear it a lot because i have now my friends are in their 30s so success is starting to come and i have a few girlfriends who are successful their husbands are backing them up and you hear this a lot where it is yeah he's so whipped like you know he lets his wife do this and he's right behind her right as opposed to thinking dude there's a whole machine working on this industry and in, in, uh, in this career and his input is nothing shy of 80% because of all of the things he knows how to do which maybe she doesn't know how but because she's in the limelight it's sort of it sort of doesn't make sense to people right they don't they don't see it as support a person that literally brought it from here to here they kind of see it as he's taking a second seat mm. and they always look at it as a competition as well like oh the wife makes or the yeah, the woman makes more money yeah. in the house so the guy has no yeah, say yeah, she's yeah. the one in control i feel like, like that belittles their masculinity a bit they're like oh for the woman to be earning more money than the man something is wrong in, in that dynamic tracy i once saw you say i think it was on an instagram video uh how you deal with the question and this was back when you were single how is a girl like you still single and i think you dissected it really well so do you want to tell me why that question is actually not the most appropriate or not the most uh, applicable to, to, to ask uh yeah um it, this question applies to many things uh, not just the single thing it applies to mm. um the how old are you as if that is uh, a taboo question like why is there a connotation of it being shameful if we're we're just you know doing what life <laughs> just growing old we're do, doing yeah. what life is actually about like and i can't control it yeah. this is what life is about how, is how dare you how dare you get older yeah. i mean that's just ridiculous <laughs> and why why is a girl like you still single i mean that applies to just like we're talking about i mean look let me just make a point i'm the least person who thinks well let me rephrase that it's not about woman power woman power women versus men and women are are should be this should be this men are not i mean all of my friends have always been guys i grew up loving men and i still do and i i'm just a guy's girl so it has really nothing to do with it and i have i take jokes very very well i'm not sensitive to to light humor um but this is not a guy versus girl thing this is a mentality thing it's girls thinking this about themselves it's not about men thinking this about of me or or uh, or otherwise and the why is a girl like you still single this question is asked by parents by relatives by girls by boys by everybody and the immediate reaction to yourself because again this is about being self-analytical if i'm thinking why am i still single no one's picking me then my whole demeanor is about me being vic a victim to not being in this not being picked socially or, or in this social circle that everybody... And I remember my mom used to say stuff like, um, you know, in couples, in, in Lebanese society or whatever, usually if there's a single person, they don't invite them anymore. Usually it's just, you know, they couplet. with you know, What is this nonsense? You know, it's just such a random thing. I mock it all the time. It's, it's just humor to me. But why is a girl like you, you're still single pretty much means, why hasn't anyone picked you yet? What's wrong with you? Versus, oh, you're not single. You don't feel like dating now. You don't want to be married. It's not about your choice. It's about somebody else's choice, choosing not to choosing not to pick you, and then therefore making you a victim. That's why I find it ridiculous. And 
people say it as a, people come back and say, but it was, it's a compliment. When I say this to you, I mean it as a compliment. I get what they mean. Don't get me wrong. I don't think people are just out to get you. I, they obviously mean, oh, you're pretty or you're intelligent or you're this or you're that. So why are you still single? But the, the fact of the matter is the subconscious is actually saying, what's wrong with you? Come on. Like, I'm what's sure wrong? there's something yeah. wrong with you. What? You know, it's just... Yeah, they're they're trying to figure. They're like it doesn't make sense to them because on face value they've assess, assessed you to be, you know, marriage, uh, marriage material. material or relationship <laughs> material. So for you not to be that, all all the red flags are going off. Yeah, like head. she must be crazy. I'm sure she has like, she, some she, sort of thing. You know, she to. must be batshit crazy. Yeah, yeah, maybe it has to be. Otherwise, it doesn't make it's, sense. It's, you can't just not be single because you just didn't want to get married at that point. It's just impossible. Mm. That that no, no. is not a possibility. But everything. No, no, of course not. That takes rationality. Why would? Why would why, we why? exactly? That's that's. Let's not go. Let's not go down that route. Of course, and I think it's it's a it's a thing within. Uh, you know, I, I grew up most of my life in Lebanon, and man, Lebanese people are fucking upfront about shit. You know what I mean? Like, if you've gained weight, no one will tell you except a Lebanese person. If you go into a room and there are ten different nationalities, one being Lebanese, and you've put on six kilos, and everyone has seen you before and after. I guarantee you the Lebanese person will be the person that tells you, wow, you've put on weight. True. Is everything okay at home? Is everything okay in your relationship? You know that I actually so was uh, with somebody. I'm not going to say names, obviously, but I was with someone. To Le- we ran into our, a Lebanese guy friend. We ran into our Lebanese guy friend. And that other person had gained a lot of weight. So the first thing he said was like, man, what the fuck? I can't walad? literally <laughs> like it's okay like it's like, yeah yeah no mercy fine. no mercy no mercy yeah yeah it's just it's so it's funny. it's again, amazing it's amazing and it's even it's tougher when thing. i think it's maybe just a generation thing it could happen i think it happens a lot in frat boys uh, sort of thing yeah. in the u.s i mean it's a very generational thing it's not really a lebanese thing that's true you know something uh i saw you all as well talk about was uh the difference over the past few generations in beauty standards globally. And I think you gave quite an interesting talk on that. And you were basically saying in the 50s how the image was more suited to an Audrey Hepburn style woman, you know, like the the idealistic suburban housewife who who would conform to the man and, and you know, be there to cook and clean. And, and then in the 80s, it went to a more athletic type of woman and everything. And it kept over the generations changing and shifting with media and cinema and Hollywood and all that. What do you think the image, what do you think the beauty standards are now with social media? I mean, I'll tell you what I think they are. I just obviously don't want to acknowledge or agree with it. The beauty standards mm. are every filter we see, every beauty filter we see. That's, yeah. that's a beauty standard. Yeah. Um, I think those filters are obviously make me and everybody else look stunning, but I think they're detrimental, <laughs> detrimental mm. because you think of yourself as stunning momentarily. And even if you're a pretty girl or a pretty guy or a good looking guy, and then you turn that filter off within a second, that quick shift between the actual and then the, the, uh, the filter is honestly, even a woman who is like myself, I'm confident, I'm established. I'm not all about what I look like. I have a hundred things going for me that I try to work on. And I get insecure when I see that kind of shift and, and, and beauty standards right now, is, is so, I mean, I don't know if it's, I, cause I don't want to sound like my parents. My parents are just like all of our parents and in our generation, this, your generation is crap, right? Yeah, and yeah, I feel yeah. like I'm doing this, right? And your, look at this new generation. My generation used to have whatever, but yeah. media is media. And I think it came in the form of magazines and billboards before. And uh, yeah. so, you know what I mean? And now it's in the form of like right on your iphone and and it's a good now it's out of, it's, it's it's on our fingertips which is which is the scariest part because for for these images to wash into your head if you're a man or a woman like you're saying back in the day it was traditional it was billboards it was going to movies magazines and you'd see all these touched up photos right i mean 100 percent. that's nothing new like touching up and and playing with how you look and trying to enhance how you look is, is has been done for the past 30 40 years you know uh, with advertising and publishing and but the scary thing now is it's it's at your fingertips like you're looking at it I don't know what your screen time is generally, but like six, seven hours a day, whether it's on the laptop, whether it's on your phone, whether it's on TV. And that's that's the scary thing with me. And I think it's leading to a lot more cases of body dysmorphia and eating disorders and and 
plastic surgery hello in my opinion is anyone can get plastic surgery that's not for me to say you know but it's 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 what context are you getting plastic surgery under you know um and i and i think that's that's the scary thing with 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 the detriment that social media has done to beauty standards and how women and men look to be honest yeah. with you it, it goes for both look i mean you said something that's true i mean it it is it causes a lot of body image dysmorphia and all of those things but it's more importantly i mean it's i i said this before and a lot of people say something like when i made that comment on about the filter thing on my instagram some people said yeah but uh you're no, you can't talk because you look like that but i don't look like you and therefore i'm allowed to use a filter for instance but that's okay. that's not the logic the logic is you can't change what you look like you look like you what you look so, like otherwise you do plastic surgery or whatever uh, filler unless you go to dr nadir saab and, <laughs> and, and Lebanon. You, know that, you know you know that guy that used to, go, to be on the mea screens who was <laughs> exactly. a very shady plastic surgeon so, yeah sorry I mean, continue you, you look like what you look like right so saying that therefore i can go through a, a mental complex and insecurity journey by switching what I look like back and forth and constantly remind myself that you're not as pretty, you're not as pretty as this, you're not as pretty, then therefore it makes it okay. But the whole argument is it doesn't make it okay because of, for you, not for anybody else. I'm not here to judge anybody mm. who uses filters. I mean, I sometimes use the funny filters for me because personally, the beauty filters make me feel like, okay, maybe I need to touch up on my nose or maybe I need to put like fillers in my cheeks because... I mean, look how good it looks. I, I don't want to feel that way. So I just don't use it. And not knowing what the potential could look like is safer than seeing that and then constantly thinking, but maybe I should do it, but maybe I should do it, but maybe I should do it. No. And that's me, a grown-ass woman. Imagine a 19-year-old, a 15-year-old. It's not okay. Yeah. It's, just not, it's just not safe, you know? And yeah. I, I also wanted to say something about what you said, the whole body image wave a narrative that we're hearing it's all good okay i think it's great that people are embracing all types of bodies and and uh, all types of and like and, and being okay with themselves i think this is primarily the point i think every every topic or narrative starts off right with the right intention but people choose to misinterpret or just say it the way they want to say it which is not the point at all like for instance this filter thing that i just talked about some people are like yeah but because i look like this therefore i can do that with this whole body image thing i'm honestly tired of seeing people praise obesity put them in uh, i got in, you in swimsuits yeah. putting them in yeah. lingerie and then saying uh, you go girl you look amazing no you don't uh, you know why you don't look amazing? Because I'm so worried for your health. It's not because I'm judging yeah. your clothes. Oh, yeah. You're not to, to, to praise and clap for obesity. It's just not okay to praise and clap yeah. for obviously things. I mean, I'm not talking about stretch marks, things you can't control, certain parts yeah. of cellulite, things you can't control. I'm talking about telling people, love yourself, be unhealthy, potentially die because obesity is the number one cause of death in the U.S. alone, <laughs> disease-wise. And then you're sitting and praising and putting them on magazine covers just to show that you're okay with everything. Because being normal nowadays, just having a normal opinion is not okay. You have to be sort of alternative and you have to be uh, like hippie-like to think of something in a very different light for it to be cool and selective and whatever. I mean, no, sometimes having the standard reaction, which is this is not okay. Let's not praise this. It doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't mean that all the woke people have to look at Tracy to say, Tracy, how can you say that? No, you should say everybody looks amazing. Everybody looks good. It's not a preference. It's not a choice. It's more about the health issue. It's not about I prefer this body over that body. Don't praise what's unhealthy, what's not right. It's just not okay. You know, it's I don't know what's going on with the world sometimes. I've been saying this for a while and I've been a, you know, an, a very hard critic on certain aspects of this new woke movement that we have. And, and one of them, uh, while I love the fact that we are now more accepting of, of certain body images, uh, and I think that's going to be great and it's going to help a lot of kids, especially when they're going through ins their peak insecure years. But like you're saying, um, this is all about health as opposed to look. So for instance, if, if, if the obese girl who was on a Sports Illustrated cover was an technically or training yeah 
you know, all okay from a health perspective, but she just looked that way. Stop. I would have no problem with it. A thousand you know, that, 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 this is this is this is a completely different conversation. It, it's it's not critiquing the look; it's critiquing the health, and I think that's something that's so important. I I never understood why, and I saw a lot of podcasters, journalists talk about this. We we shouldn't be giving the wrong idea to people in terms of not taking care of your health. You know what I mean? If you are 60 kilos overweight and completely healthy, that's great. You do you. You want to have that look. Nobody, it's nobody's business to tell you how you should look. But when it comes to your health, this is something that needs to be taken extremely seriously. 100%. Um, and also people tend to become so, complacent. And, and, the, yeah. and the, you know, then you become complacent because of this narrative. You're like, you know what? Whatever. I'm going to look the way I want to look. And I will have uh, unhealthy food when I want, joke about it, flaunt about it all the time. I mean, no, I mean, the right thing to do is eat clean as much as you can, have your cheap meals. I do it, man, I eat burgers, I eat pizza, I love it. But I know myself when I'm off track, I'm like, Tracy, you have a month, you need to be strict on yourself, you need to eat clean because it's only good for my heart, it's good for my organs, it's good for my health, not because I want to look a certain way. And with that narrative, because people are so much, so afraid to offend people nowadays, like everyone's offended by everything. So they're so afraid to offend people that the, alter the, the people on the other end are getting backlash. Like I have friends who are super thin, they're very nice bodies, and they get attacked like, oh my God, you're so skinny. Uh, and it's okay to say that because the skinny girl or the fit girl with abs and people don't like abs, for instance, it's okay to bash them because these people are, let's say, uh, lucky or privileged to look like that but I will bash this person they don't think that it's also not okay to do that you know a lot of people are feeling ashamed friends of mine have told me I used to wear like crop tops on my Instagram they have really nice abs or, or swimsuits I don't even like to put a swim uh, put on a swimsuit because I'm afraid that people are going to say bad things about me because I have a good body and therefore man imagine the complexities that people actually go through it's so weird how the coin has all of a sudden flipped. You know what I mean? Because these friends of yours who have, you know, these really nice bodies and abs uh, over previous decades would be worshipped and lauded. And now it's like they're completely, vi it's, they're, they're vilified. And for me, it's, I don't know why it's always two opposite ends of the spectrum. You know what I mean? Like it, it we need to come meet somewhere in the middle with this shit. It, it, it's scaring me like and this all goes under things like council culture and, and and all these types of things it's scaring me how extreme people are being now how how the sensitive sensitivity levels have gone shot to you know code red it's it's something very people are ruthless very annoying this whole cancel culture people are people, is just 100 percent people are ruthless now did you see that thing with um this has nothing to do with council culture but in terms of people being ruthless like uh there was that image of uh kendall jenner that went viral it was her and her i think she was wearing lingerie and it was liked like 10 million times and sent around and then basically next to that image was this uh, 17 year old girl who was like nasa's aerospace youngest person to pass their entry test or something and the whole point of, of this campaign was saying like, how can Kendall Jenner's image of her and her lingerie get, you know, become viral massively. Whereas this girl, the 17 year old is unheard of and non-celebrated. And I think obviously these are, these are two different extremes and, and, you know, there are many women out there who are being celebrated, but it, it does raise a good point with, with all this fucking TikTok, Instagram type of shit. Like, it's crazy how the things that are not very significant tend to shoot and become viral and, and you know, be spread around like this. Whereas the actual things that should be lauded and should be complimented and should, should be discussed tend to get overlooked and, and not taken too seriously. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I have this conversation at least three, four times a week, uh, especially on social media. It's unfortunate, but it's true that the... The, the fact is, Instagram is, for the majority of people, somewhere where people want light and fun. For the majority, okay, I think. And the mass want dumb, light, fun content. This is what mass wants, right? And the minute that you're a bit complex and you're a bit, you know, you have a bit of an angle and it just, it's like, you know what, whatever, I don't want to hear this right now. Let me go to this, mood, this yeah, like yeah. laughing, joking sort of uh, video, which is which is giving me entertainment. 
I mean, I see it for myself. If I film something that literally took me 30 seconds, it was like a funny challenge with my boyfriend, I'll get 250,000 views on it. But then if I'm talking about a topic that I personally put so much thought into and I do a talk, I'll get like 50,000 views. Because people are just not that, like not everybody is keen on that angle. They're more keen on, on Instagram. I want light, I want fun. You know, this is what I think. Do you think, do you think that's because of the platform or because of just in general, what we as human beings want? Uh, no, I think maybe in general, but the platform is obviously okay. what, what everybody showcases. Uh, mm. Do you think, do you think with things like Clubhouse now, like there might be, there might be a chance to show the other side, the more thought provoking type of content? I love the idea of Clubhouse. I honestly think it's yeah. brilliant. The fact that it's almost like telling you, you know what, what you do, what you look like doesn't really matter. Look, Tell me what you so. think. Tell me what you think. Mm. And do a lot of people have a lot to say? Do you have anything that comes through your mind that is quite interesting that people want to hear? If so, mm. let me know. And then you'll find one out of 10 people would be like, okay, maybe I have something to say. The other nine are going to be like, no, babe, I, I, what am I going to say right now? So that's a really good filter, right? So it's, mm. I mean, it, it's a good filter. Most people will just be there lurking and listening, but very few will have something to say. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, people, I mean, I've heard people say uh, reading is not, uh, the industry of reading is out. Stuff it's like dying, that yeah. is dying. Like people are, some people think this way. It's crazy that mm. you actually think the industry of reading a book and educating yourself and sort of leveling up is dying. What's in right now is the YouTube podcast, whatever. No, man, you have to have everything. You need to be well-rounded in every regard. Even if you don't know right. about uh, finance, get yourself involved. I mean, I, I was poor in accounting and financial planning. I had to, I, I read about it. I, I, I work on it because it's a life skill. People need to get good right. at life skills. It's not about, okay, I just, I'm good on Instagram and that's it. So let me just, just stick to what I'm doing on Instagram. Mm. I think uh, platforms like yours help a lot in this sense because, you know, people can look surface value and they could think, uh, oh, she just makes, you know, cute, fun videos and challenges and stuff. But actually why I wanted to talk to you and taught it as well is because you like to go into these discussions. I, I think you're a really good orator. You're a really good speaker and, and you like debate and discussion. And this is something that's key, especially for someone who has such a large following as yourself. Like to do both sides, I think is is really commendable is something that that i enjoy seeing um and i wanted to get your opinion definitely now that i have you here and technically this is now one-on-one -on -one consulting um you're someone who's who obviously advocates a very healthy lifestyle not only physically but mentally uh i have a lot of lebanese family members who are what we'd call of traditional mentality which means they put like six kilograms of mozzola oil when they make lunch and dinner um and I, not more than I don't really care about the nutrition side of things, but mentally, how do how do I get through to my older Lebanese family members to adopt a healthier lifestyle, to start making that change mentally and physically? Um, look, I mean, uh, the life it's hard. It's hard to unlearn when you're when you're that far right. into your life. Right. But it's. Let's talk about nutrition, then we'll talk about other aspects mentally, for instance. Sure. Nutrition-wise, I mean, some people will make a change because it's too late, and now they have to start thinking of being healthy. Otherwise, the change has to come from something that you really enjoy. It can't be forceful. I mean, even me, with everything I know right now about how I should eat, I mess up a lot. And I'm just like, you know what, oh, it's okay, I'll have a few drinks here, I'll have a burger here. And then I say, like, okay, whatever, balance, right? This is what, what life is about, balance. But if, unless you, uh, you really have a care for what you're doing, so this is what I try to tell my mom, like just do something that you like. You don't need to go to the gym and lift, lift weights. Let's do something that you like, whether it's walks with your friends on the beach, whether it's, uh, you know, and then that becomes sort of a lifestyle that you're enjoying the, the chat with your friends, therefore the walk. Uh, you're enjoying the, uh, let's say, a breakfast that you make every day, like a sort of a routine, uh, planning a nutrition sort of, um, portion control, nutrient, uh, 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 or reading about it, reading, watching sort of cooking videos, trying to make those cooking videos from, just find a way, an angle that's gonna make it fun instead of almost making it feel like if you're healthy, it's a punishment. 
It's the healthy, yeah. healthy is a punishment was what's, what's a bit sad. And sometimes when I have to go strict on myself, I get huff, like I huff and puff. But then I start realizing, hold on, don't be like this. I mean, this happened to me very recently when in my December, January, I had COVID and then I just, out, I, did, I didn't train at all and I ate anything and everything. And I just was not feeling myself, especially after COVID, I couldn't get back to training. Personally, I need something to shock me for me to get back. So I did a this thing that is uh, recommended and it says that people should do it once a year, which is a water fast, three days or four days or five days. It cleans your gut. And I wanted to do that as a kickstart to almost shock my system, say, okay, Tracy, get back into discipline. And it's not about get thin, it's about be disciplined. And this is what goes back to the whole obesity thing. If you look the way you look and you're voluptuous and you're healthy and you're eating well and you're balanced in your life, you're mentally balanced, amazing. I think you're absolutely stunning because stunning is not a physical aspect. It is how you carry yourself, how you think. That's stunning to me. So taking taking that angle and and applying it to like the older generation and thinking you know what have this thing that you enjoy or, or you you like is more of, of something that could be helpful to them uh, but in, on the ment- on mentality wise aging when it happened when, let's talk about aging a little bit a lot of people give up and this goes back to unless I'm 60 and I don't need to eat healthy I live my life whatever and let me let me eat the way I want to eat or or I don't need to impress anybody or even even this neediness of the elderly you know this this quick switch where they become very needy with their kids they they complain they're entitled and you owe me the phone calls you owe me this behavior I don't believe that I think it's it's actually detrimental to think that your kids owe you I think you what you would want more so is to say I want them to want to be around me. I want them to seek my advice or want or or think I have something interesting to say and not force them to give me this phone call or to, you know, to sit with me. And it's, I just think if you if you start seeing age as a huge factor, then you're 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 if you start seeing it as a negative, then you stop your life at 45, 50. You start thinking, you know what? I I have no kids or I'm divorced right now or whatever and therefore it's the end of my life and it sucks instead of thinking wait hold on a second now it's 40 to 80 for me let's say hopefully 80 90 years old this is literally longer than what i my first half so if in the first half i could have done this what could i possibly do with the second half people forget that when you were younger you had to be interesting to be picked or attractive or to have friends you needed to work on yourself and you don't don't just make friends or get a job without being interesting. Why do you give up on that in your 50s? Why don't you learn a new form of interest? Travel, um, uh, I don't know, read, start a podcast, uh, do something, I don't know, whatever it is. They just lose the sense of, I need to find myself and find myself and be interesting again. They just think it's over. And that, that just messes with your mind, you know, as an older person and then the neediness comes about. I think that's uh, what you said. I mean, you really hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, I, I I have certain family members who um, basically their life was dedicated to their children and uh, they have amazing maternal instincts and they've based everything they've done off for the benefit of their children. But like you're saying, eventually what happens, your kids leave the house, they go to college, they get a job, they move on, they get their own family. And then it's a bit like, well, what am I supposed to do now? I spent, you know, let's say 20, 30 years taking care of my kids and there's nothing for me there. I, I feel like I don't, my life's purpose is now gone. So it's it's getting out of, it's getting out of that mentality. It's getting out of that. And it I call it like a permanent rut. Like, you know how you go through a rut for a few months? This is like the culmination of, of what you feel your worth was in life to take care of your kids for 30 years has now burst. The bubble has burst and you're left with with nothing. And it's very easy to to say, you know, just get motivated and try and pick up something and do something. But it's it's um I want to get your take on how like getting out of that rut, that that state of because it might be subconscious. You might not even you know might not even be at the forefront of your thinking. I think uh, it's exactly the same way you do it if you're 25. What do you do when you get out of a toxic relationship and you forget what you like, you forget what you're good at, and you're so caught up with what he likes or what she liked, and you're just trying to find yourself again and 
you're first depressive, you're a victim, and whatever, all of that, those feelings, how do you get back out there? They tell you, start by going for a walk, then go train, then talk to a friend, um, read, make yourself interesting, growth, travel, travel by yourself. Why can't you do that when you're 45 or 50? Why is the same, the same concept that not, doesn't replicate there? It replicates. Maybe you're not gonna do the same activities that you were doing when you were younger, but you need to be relevant. And the truth is, the, more you, the, le the, little, the less you take care of yourself when you're older, the more irrelevant you are. Older people become irrelevant. And this is the nature of how the system works. They keep the young generation sort of active, the older are on pensions, they're irrelevant, and then eventually got, I mean, far yeah. yeah, okay? But yeah. if you start making yourself relevant, make yourself relevant to your kids, make yourself attractive again, just like you did when you were doing it with a man or with a woman, or with a woman. make yourself attractive to your kids. Let them come to you and say, my father or my mom is still so wise. Like they read this, they taught me this. Versus, like a lot of us would see around us, our parents tend to say, let's say, the same stories, the same sort of repetitive humor, repetitive conversations, remarks, uh, comments. I mean, that's not going to make you any more attractive to me or to anyone. Like if you need to magnet friends, magnet uh, business partners, that's not going to work for you. If you don't continuously work on yourself, you're not working on your mind, you're not working on anything, then you're, you're going to go down that route where you become irrelevant. It's your choice, really. It's, a hard, it's hard work, but it's a choice. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of hard work because I, I, and I think about it a bit existentially, like you get to that certain point and you might not even think it, but you're just, I wouldn't even call it living, you're just existing, you know? You, you, you've, you've gotten into the routine of not really doing much and just day by day existing. And to me, life isn't about that. Like you're saying, it's about challenging yourself. Like one of the biggest fears is, is that I go through something like this. Let's say I have my career great and I retire. If I don't constantly challenge myself, you know, especially with my personality, I'm, I'm afraid that I will fall into this rut of just existing, you know, just doing the same thing every single day, uh, talking to the same friends and then waking up and rinse and repeat. And it's something that really keeps me up at night. And even though it's like fucking 40, 50 years away, just to let you know what a boomer I am with my thinking. Um, but as you it, it's something that really... As you should, Sorry. I mean, as you should, as yeah. you should. I think it's okay to think of these things and it's okay to assess. Uh, how you would be and who you don't want to be and we see this a lot a lot of people are trying not to be their parents instead of trying to be their parents right why is that i'm sure that all parents are not wrong or they didn't live a good life but i think at some point they just decided like okay now it's over for me and now it's about them no it's not over for you and it's not about your kids it's about both of you and it could be about both of you it doesn't make you selfish to still want to go after the things you want to go after I know women here 100%. that started, I mean, lost a husband, lost a, lost a kid, has another a child, and decided to take up life coaching. So obviously with her age, she has much more wisdom than the 21-year-old that wants to take up life coaching. So I think she has a head start. People tend to think, no, you don't have a head start because you're old. But no, so in this kind of industry, yeah, you have a damn head start. Psycho psychology, you have a head start. There are advantages to having experience. And you have the time. You don't need to raise anyone. You probably have money now. You don't. You have the time to pick a career if you want to pick a career so, at that age, right? So, it's but so. in most cases they don't want to. The easier option is to complain that they have nothing and they have no one. That's the easier option than actually picking up something mm. from scratch. I see. I've mm. seen an 85-year-old woman who said she picked up training three years prior only. And I promise you, she's more ripped than I am or anybody that I know. She, she's crazy. She's huge on Instagram. She has like 600,000 followers. I was shocked. Wow. White hair, like old woman saying all every day, giving out motivational messages about how she started, why it's important to get healthy, why it's never too late. She's just brilliant to me. You know, this is, this is what it's about. Yeah. At the example I always use for this is, uh, I think I've used it a bunch of times on the podcast, but Colonel Sanders started KFC at the age of 60. I know we're talking about health, by the way. That wasn't a good example, but you see it's what right. I mean by that. It's like, everything, 100%. Life, is, you know, life isn't over at, after 40 or after 50. There's there's a lot to accomplish. And um, look, honestly, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was really interesting 
picking your brain. You the could. one thing I would ask of you is the next time you come on, can we get uh, your your parrot as well? Because he's, he's yeah yeah. <laughs> I will. I, I, will. I, I would love to talk to him. I'd love to pick his brain as well because he's he's in his own right a mini celebrity. He's clever, um, man. Clever, clever. He's, he's he's he seems clever as hell. So thank you so much. It's Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure, really. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Anrami, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm a Sabal. Thank you. Also, we'd love your feedback, so please DM us on Instagram at fauda2020.